Hey everybody, James Tiley and Johnny Fry, Digital Bytes Podcast. Another day, another way. This time, I'm under the weather. You think maybe I was playing with a koala bear that you brought over, huh? <laughs> you, got, you got that nasty coffee? I've got COVID back of you, James. Hey, third time's the charm. Third time's lucky. Nah, this is probably with my luck, some stupid cold from like an eight-year-old kid or something. You know, my oh, wife's I... a teacher, so she brings well, home she more than just it. homework. Well, and now you've got Easter holidays, so, um, you know, do you, do you call them Easter holidays? Over here we have them Easter holidays, or is it just seasonal greeting holidays, or, or what do you call it now? Oh, there's a big argument about that, right? It's yeah, it's Easter, and uh, so what? We just had Palm Sunday, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's at least in America, we... we... Yeah, and it's, uh, what's, what's tomorrow? When, what's today? It's Monday, no, it's Monday, Thursday, tomorrow. Right, and Friday good, is Good Friday. Good, good Friday. Then, then it's uh, and then well, we have the boat race on um, on. So it's the oldest. I think I think it's the oldest race in the world. Um, Scotland, Scotland. Um, edit, oh gosh, come on, Johnny. Cambridge against Oxford, and they they row against each other on the Thames. Oh that's yeah, I've seen that. that. Yeah, that's I, it's, I think it's the oldest race in the world. Um, and they race, uh, you know, on on the Thames. So that's on Saturday, and then on Sunday. Um, it's Easter egg hunt time. So all the kids go in the garden and try and find Easter eggs and make themselves sick and then come back and be grouchy to the parents. Chocolate and chocolate and chocolate and coins. You ever stick the coins in the little plastic eggs? Well, you would bring coins up because it's financial literary month this month, you were telling me earlier on. So you're obviously in the US, you're doing a show on Yep, it's financial literacy month. I'm going to try to do a little rock and roll show for financial literacy if that makes any. You know, outside of the Mick Jagger world, that might not make sense. Well, so then, you're uh, going gonna to have an ABBA song, Money, Money, Money? Money, Money. Well, yeah, I should. Uh, or, the, or the Pink Floyd? Money. There you go. Pink Floyd, Money. They just brought out a new song. Did they? But hang on. We should be talking about digital bytes. We should be talking about all things blockchain, digital assets. And, well, that's the sort of money, isn't it? Digital assets. Well, yeah, we'll cover my show on my show. I'll bring you on. <laughs> Oh, you don't do something silly like that. We we'll play a crypto we'll song. Yeah, why not? Well, so this week we've we've got we've got uh, a number of articles. One uh, talking about DeFi and how it's challenging financial markets. So that's kind of a money thing. Um, we've got different ways to invest in cryptos, um, and then we got um, how non fungible tokens are being used in loyalty programs. And then finally, and after the break, we've got an interview with Andrew Dells from ClearBank. And ClearBank are one of only, I think it's five banks we have in the in the UK um, that are actually banks. All the other sort of wannabe banks are the payment platforms. Um, but ClearBank is a bank and they've come up with the title, Can Cryptocurrency Go From Underground Punk to Rock Stadium? Ro- sorry, to Stadium Rock. Stadium Rock. Um, yeah, so Andrew's going to come on um, after the break. And uh, I think the thrust of what he's really saying there is... You know, we've seen a real transformation and turnaround from people initially being very concerned and worried about cryptos and digital assets to now um, organizations and traditional sort of institutions now realizing that, you know, these digital assets actually do have some real tangible benefits. And we're seeing governments embracing them, bringing out central bank digital currencies and the like. Um, But we need to still, you know, trust is a really important thing when it comes to finance and money. And and we've got to sort of meet that sort of conundrum of how do you build trust and confidence in, in digital assets? So that, that's what we have in Digital Bytes. Um, 
And for regular listeners, you'll know, you know, we, we basically talk uh, once a week here on Cyber.fm about how, where and why blockchain technology and digital assets are being used in different jurisdictions and in different industries. Um, we're not trying to give financial advice. We're not trying to give recommendations. We're just trying to point out what's happening in different places and some things you might want to think about in your own personal lives or, or, or with your different business, um, because it's, it's very much real. It's very much happening. And, um, you know, I think a good example of that um, in our first article, sort of define how it's challenging financial markets. And, and we actually um, found a quote from um, Jamie Dimon, who's the chief executive officer of a, I think it's the biggest bank outside China, a, a little bank called JP Morgan. And he famously was very, very rude um, and cynical about digital assets um, until he realized that they, his company were making millions in profits by trading and offering sort of services to their clients. And now he's come out with a, on Twitter saying decentralized finance and blockchain are real. New technologies that can be deployed in both public and private fashion, permissioned or not. So and there he is standing there, thumbs up with his tie on. That's a loaded statement. Listen, I got to interrupt you. That's a loaded statement. Of course it is. That is, <laughs> that is a, coming from Jamie. That is a loaded statement. Are you foreseeing JP Morgan doing some private decentralized exchanging? I think they will. Yes. I think we, we've already got the JP coin. Right. You've already got, you've already got um, well, they made a massive investment and bought um, the loyalty program from, I think, American Airlines. Um, and you know that's got huge amounts of data, which they can then presumably sell um, the, all those different people different financial services. But if you can issue debt instruments, you know bonds at sort of thirty forty percent um, cheaper than you do in the normal way, well, JP Morgan are going to have to start using um, decentralized finance and blockchain technology and digitalization of debt. Because their competitors will just undercut them. They're going to have no choice. And this is this is the whole thing that I, I honestly think, James, what's going to happen? We're going to go from, yes, it's an interesting, yeah, why, why do we need to do it? To potentially regulators turning around and saying, can you actually issue equity debt instruments and give the transparency, the real-time pricing that is now possible with these, you know, with using blockchain technology and having a digital bond or a digital share, um, can you do that with the old paper-based systems? And the answer is going to be no, they just can't. So, you know, and, you know, we'll, we'll touch on this later on with Andrew, where, you know, the banks are coming under pressure to start creating and issuing, you know, stable coins because, you're going to have debt instruments and you're going to have real estate, which has been digitized and people are going to want to have their income, their coupons, their rent, their dividends, potentially being paid once a month, maybe even once a week. You know, if you remember last week, we were talking to Sunafed and, you know, they're producing um, units and packages of electricity from renewable um, sources like, you know, solar panels. And they're packaging that up every 30 seconds. And in theory, they could make micropayments every 30 seconds to the owners of those solar panels. Well, you can't do that in the normal banking systems. You need digital assets. So, yeah, I think JP Morgan, you know, you, they've already got, I said, JP coin. But I think you're going to see them very much having to get involved in this area, um, much to potentially the chagrin of the board who uh, have been to date a little bit sort of sceptical about this sector. 
I'm I'm stuck on the idea of a of a dark pool for DeFi. <laughs> well, being being run out of Wall Street by by the sharp suited ladies and gentlemen that normally sort of um, uh, running the show. Yeah, are there are there certain like so we have dark pools over on in America, right? And and they're perfectly legal. They're just James. You need to explain what a dark pool is. So a dark pool. So it's for not, example, it's not a you, you, pool link in it. I'm sorry. It's not a swimming pool with ink in it, is it? <laughs> no. No, a lot of squid in a swimming pool. That would not be a good thing. But, uh, so a dark pool is, uh, you know, we used, back when I was involved, it was Bloomberg Tradebook. And it's basically a, a matchmaking, an order matching exchange that is available only privately to other paying customers. So JP Morgan would have a Bloomberg terminal. Solomon Smith Barney would have a Bloomberg terminal. Uh, Joey's local federal credit union could have a, a Bloomberg terminal. And they would route orders into uh, the Bloomberg trade book where Johnny Fry has his sell order up in a limit order waiting to be filled. And uh, I go ahead and I buy that, that sell order that you have. And we conducted our transaction and the only thing that Bloomberg has to do by law, and, I, and I'm being a little generic, uh, would be to update that price for the public exchanges, right? So if you had bought Google at, you know, Alphabet at 125 a share, you know, we, we would rattle up those executions for, for posting later. But over on the dark pool, you find a lot of deals, right? A lot of, a lot of discounts, a lot of arbitrage that goes on. You might be able to arbitrage across a public NASDAQ and, and a dark pool. You heard um, most recently with that whole GameStop and uh, AMC extravaganza that went on. Yep. There was, you know, dark pools should be illegal. Dark pools should be, you know. And I was like, guys, you, I understand the, the thrill of, you know, taking on hedge funds because you're just a regular full-time employee type of guy, but. They're legal. They're perfectly legal as long as they're in compliance. So I'm thinking about, pri- you got me thinking about private DeFi because the, the D in DeFi is decentralized, right? So it's awkward. It's awkward to me. Probably the best way I could sum that up is that it's awkward. Yeah, but I think that's, you know, what, what we've, the trouble is that with DeFi, as you say, being decentralized is that, you know, here I am in, in the UK um, and normally I would have to go through an authorized intermediary, broker, banker, whatever, to deal in the USA. But if you've got a DeFi exchange operating in, you know, in, in your next door neighbor's garage in the USA, um, in theory, there's nothing to stop, you know, a, a Brit or a French guy or a German or, a, you know, someone from Greece or someone from Australia or Singapore actually going on the web and dealing in that on that DeFi exchange, and it, it's all very well all the time it's working, but when things start to sort of unwind, you know, a bit like if you remember we saw with Wonderland, um, you know, suddenly it turned out that the guy that was doing the treasury management had already been committed for for a felony and spent a bit of time in Sing Sing, um, or in Folsom Prison, keeping the Johnny Cash thing going, um, and all of a sudden you find, well, actually, I don't really want to deal on that sort of exchange and where's my comeback and who am I going to sue? And in a, if it's truly decentralized, you know, where, where is it? Who's got the money? 
So, the, the, and I think this is the concern, and this is the worry that regulators have, is that it's very well having decentralized finance and taking out the the middlemen and taking it and and having giving real open banking. You know, there's been a lot of chat about this in terms of we want to be able to encourage people to move bank accounts and be able to get the best product, whether they're borrowing or whether they're investing. Um, and therefore, we can have open banking. Well, if you look at what DeFi really is, it's the ultimate in open banking because it's completely decentralized. And But I still struggle with some of these DeFi projects, James. You know, people are saying, oh, yes, you can you can earn, you know, 20, 30 percent on, on your money by simply, you know, locking it up and staking it. And um, it's all OK. It'll all work out fine. How are they achieving those sorts of returns? And they're not held accountable to justify it and verify it. And that's where people get concerned because, unfortunately, the unscrupulous, it's, it's almost like an open book for them to, to put up spurious sort of allegations and, and adverts, but actually not deliver. Yeah, and, you know, there, there's, there's – I'm stuck on, on J.P. Morgan for whatever reason, but there's so many different ways that, that people invest in crypto. But you did raise a good point with, you know, cross-border, overseas – Right now, it's virtually impossible for me to, as as James, to go buy um, a Taiwanese stock, right? I'd have to go through like Charles Schwab, get permission, load up my yeah. money just to buy something that I thought was going to make a big in Taiwan. So with DeFi, yes, if that was the use case where you're in London and you want this American tokenized stock, you have an account with JP Morgan, which exists everywhere. You're good to go. Yeah. And that's going to, that's what's going to happen with all these other ways. So, so for example, is Jamie Damone. I always say Damone. Um, mm. He's key. He's probably thinking about the competition of Binance and Coinbase. And yes, he is. Gemini. He's looking, he's looking at FTX on a valuation of 40 billion. And thinking, well, hang on, how have they managed to get to that sort of valuation from nothing? Maybe I need to be looking, you know, we've been, you know, maybe I need to be looking at that. Um, and, you know, as, as you know, James, what, you know, historically, I, I've been involved in the asset management industry um, since the sort of 1980s. And we're seeing a trend from mutual funds um, converting into ETFs exchange traded funds right so it could be an actively managed mutual fund not an index fund but an actively managed and they're now becoming etfs and certainly in the us there's some interesting tax breaks but if you look at it from a regulator's point of view um you know let's just pick fidelity because it's it's a it's a big old big old asset manager um or black rock which is the biggest asset manager in the world and is it right is it treating customers fairly for you only to be able to get a price from black rock and you can only trade once a day, or from a regulatory point of view, treating customers fairly, why can't we have that same BlackRock fund whereby I can trade anywhere between, say, nine and five, by normal office hours? Um, and the price is not made by BlackRock, but it's made by third party, by a market maker. Surely that's an evolution. Surely that's better for the customers because they, they can not only get a price from an independent source, but they can now trade whenever they want to trade. Then the next step is why can't that ETF effectively be digitized and then issued on a on a DeFi exchange or a digital exchange and then traded 24-7? Surely that is 
treating the customers much more fairly than having the, the black rock, just as an example, just making the price and you can only trade once a day and they net the ins and outs and then decide whether they create more units or actually contract the size of the actual fund overall. Um, so you, you could argue that mutual funds operate their own little sort of dark pools. Um, and certainly back in the 80s and 90s, you had something called a box position and they would basically increase or decrease the price depending on whether there was more people selling or buying. And that would reflect in terms of the, the value of the fund um, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. So you, you can see where the, the direction of travel is, you know, transparency, it's real time um, and, giving, and giving much more people a much greater choice. And surely that's got to be a good thing. And opening up the world to a whole new plethora of uh, day traders. I, I th- well, I think you will. And you've seen the appetite. Look at the phenomenal success of someone like Robin Hood. Um, not, not the, not the um, guy in green tights and sort of, you know, best mate with little John in, and the sheriff of Nottingham in the UK. But, you know, the stockbroker in, um, or, or I don't, do you call, is Robin Hood a stockbroker, James? You know, God. Is Charles Schwab a stockbroker? Is he Toro a stockbroker? They're not, right? They are a... They're a, pl- a trading platform or a... They're an order management system. Yeah. How do you, what do you think about that? Because they're not an exchange. Now, they're they're not clear, really they are clearly clearing through someone else. Yeah. I would think. Yeah. But but my point is, is you've seen huge amount, you know, some someone like eToro, um, Robin Hood, you know, they, they've enjoyed massive success. Nothing to do with crypto here, but but with trading... Um, just um, traditional stocks and shares and equities. And, and it's proved that people are interested in doing that. So, um, you know, as, as we continue this trend of you being responsible for your finances, as opposed to working for a company, and then when you retire, they pay you some sort of pension and you have no real engagement or responsibility about your finances. As we give people more responsibility for finances, then they will want to have access to more information, more transparency, and yes, if they want to buy something in Taiwan, well, why not? Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, why can't I buy JD.com? Because it's a, it's a potential competitor to Tencent or Alibaba in China, if I think that's a, a good investment. Or why can't you buy, you know, why can't I buy, um, what is it, um, the owners of, of, of Square or the Square have changed their names to, to Block? Because they, they, they've got a really interesting payment system, which takes fiat and crypto and mean, on, on a great run. So this is, and we're seeing this to some extent, if you look at what's happened with sort of venture capital funds and you see the amount of money that's been um, put into, um, you know, in, into sort of crypto type investments. And you saw this, I think we mentioned this the other week, a lady called Katie Hoon, um, who was, um, she was Andrew and Andreen Howitson, the hugely successful Silicon Valley um, sort of VC investors. And, and this lady went out and raised 1.5 billion um, as a new fund just to invest in startup equity and cryptocurrencies, um, you know, or as some people call them tokens. So we're seeing okay. a lot of interest in this sector um, as, as ways to invest your money into digital assets. But we mustn't lose sight of the fact that cryptocurrencies are still only a two trillion asset class. You know, compare that to mutual funds, which is 100 trillion. And, and that's where there's likely to be far greater um, shift and emphasis 
from a regulatory point of view, because if we start seeing mutual fund companies converting their mutual funds to ETFs to digital funds, if we start seeing more, we, ha we had our Luxembourgians the other, other week, if you remember, and they were talking about issuing dematerialized debt instruments, I, and put that into some sort of easy speak, um, Societe Generale issued a hundred million dollar bonds, no paperwork issued directly onto in Luxembourg at, because it's much, much cheaper. And so we begin to see new types of digital assets, nothing to do with crypto, but using some of the underlying technology and using different blockchains to create cheaper products, faster products, arguably better managed products because they're greater levels of transparency and built on an immutable database. And, and that, that's something which the regulators are having to get their heads around. And again, I, I'm sure Andrew will talk about this later after the break from Clearbank, where we're seeing you know, the regulators and governments looking at things like stable coins and central bank digital currencies and saying, look, okay, they're not the anarchists, they're not the punk rockers that perhaps people think they are. Actually, they're becoming much more mainstream. What we need to do is build greater levels of trust and then we'll get greater adoption and then we'll get more people, you know, using these and the regulators are really going to have to come up with some proper guidance for enabling more regulated companies to get engaged with this. Yeah, they're going to become more of a service provider in, in the, uh, in the real world, they'll be a service provider. Like you said, yeah. but, um, nobody wants to worry about private keys and carrying their wallets. No, I mean, I do no. that's, but I'm a crypto guy, right? If you're a yeah. rich guy, you just want to get involved in crypto, you're not going to want to handle all that. Not going to want the hassle. And, and, and that's, that's kind of one of the articles or touched on one of the articles that we were, um, we also wrote about um, how NFTs can be used in loyalty programs. Um, and it was interesting um, back a couple of years ago now that um, Hilton Hotels raised a billion dollars from American Express for their honors program. So basically, American Express stumped up a billion dollars to say, OK, well, over the next few years, as people use our credit cards, we're going to give them you know, Amex points and then they can trade those Amex points for staying in Hilton hotels. Um, and, you know, the reason we talk about this is that, you know, you've got someone again going back to JP Morgan. Um, they bought the world's third biggest credit card loyalty program, which had 70 million people in it. So loyalty programs are a really big part of sort of business on a day-to-day -day basis and you've got companies now uh, in, that are operating loyalty schemes using nfts now the, these companies are companies like you know burger king clinique marriott hotels and they're using non-fungible tokens as part of their way to reward to educate to encourage their customers to come back and do more business with them so we're now seeing digital assets in the form of non-fungible tokens being used as a way um, to attract customers and get customers to do more business. In a similar way, I know you're working on something with your um, various DJs on, on the radio station looking to use non-fungible tokens, aren't you, James? Right. I made the announcement just yesterday on my Tuesday show. Uh, so on the 19th, we're releasing our first, our first DJ NFT, which is me. Leave it to me to be the guinea pig. Uh, but yeah, they're going to be able to mint out the NFTs. And it's uh, really more, it's marketing for us. And it's a thank you for them. And everybody wants an NFT. They love it. Everybody loves an NFT is what it is. Yeah. 
Yeah. And we are already well, in that royalty, not royalty, we are loyalty. We are into the loyalty rewards, you know, with the Cyber FM. So it was natural for us to say, let's add NFTs, uh, you know, into that ecosystem. Right, right. Well, but, but you've been very much at the cutting edge and been giving, you know, crypt- cryptocurrencies. You've been paying people to to listen to to your radio station with your special Billy Joel um, algorithm. Um, right. So, you know, it depends on it. You don't just you can't just leave your radio on. There's certain things you've got to do to actually get your cryptocurrencies. But 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 just going back to this thing of, of global brands, you know, Louis Vuitton. Um, you know, the French company, you know, with some, you know, high end designer, um, very successful business. They've been using non fungible tokens with their customers to sort of raise awareness about the technology. Um, and, you know, we've seen a lot of people talking about the metaverse and, and how that's going to impact. And I think Citibank came out with a study this week and they reckon that could be up to 13 trillion um dollar market so we're going to see more and more people engaging um with these digital assets it's and, funny and this is very much i say it's funny because i'm j- someone like me is jaded right i'm jaded in the market um nothing moves me because i'm so deep in it you know like when you get off of work the last thing you want to do is talk about work yep. and uh, i'm sitting at home and i'm watching television and, uh, you know, just you can have a conference call about NFTs and crypto. And you're like, I just want some fried chicken. Somebody talked <laughs> to me about dinner. And I turn on the TV and Hot Wheels is advertising the all new Hot Wheels NFTs. Guys, they still making Hot Wheels. I used to love. That's what I, I was like. Well, Hot Wheels. <laughs> I immediately became that, that ape, right? I was like, shut up and take my money. <laughs> I didn't realize we we're going to be talking about Hot Wheels NFTs. And then later, The Walking Dead was like, don't get ready for the uh, special NFT drop of the all-new Walking Dead. Oh, and, and what's funny is, and I found this interesting because I'm in the industry, both Hot Wheels and The Walking Dead, their commercial did not consist of any reference to make sure you have a wallet, you know, make sure you have your Ethereum, be yeah. signed up. They didn't say any of that. They just said, we are rolling out the first series of the Hot Wheels NFTs. And uh, one of them was from the 60s, that blue van pickup. Uh, I forget the name of it, the Sidewinder or something like that. They didn't say how to go do it. They just said, if you want these, they're coming out May whatever. And I I thought that was interesting because we invest so much time trying to teach people how to get an NFT that these big companies, I wonder if Louis Vuitton did that. They were like, are they just going, yep, here's the NFT. You want it, you figure it out. Because when the Hot Wheels one came out, I was like, oh, I'm now a consumer. I'm in. My wife's going to kill me. (laughs) So you're going to start collecting Hot Wheels, but in a digital format, not... Yeah, I'm going to worry about, have you, t- have you tidied your bedroom? I, I, will, I will be the guy that goes, okay, if I own this Hot Wheels car, I'm going to want the NFT edition of it. Almost like a pair. Oh, James, and there you go. You see, and that's what they're doing, you see. So they're, they're taking... They got me. They, they got you. you they've, got the, they've already sold you once, and they're going to sell you again. So that you can see why they're all getting involved in this. 
Yeah, and I, like I said, I found it interesting that they left the education out. They're so big that if you look, I want that, I'm going to go figure it out for myself. But then I suppose it's like, you know, going by a laptop. They're not saying, oh, yeah, but you now you need to have, you know, understand how Lotus Note works, or you've got to go on a course to understand pivot tables and Excel spreadsheets. Or if you do that, you need to have some virus to protect your laptop from, you know, hackers and things like that. They just, said, they just sell you the laptop. Yeah, and, just, you know, here you go, Windows uh, or Mac. What we're very much involved in the industry because that's what we do. And therefore, we're looking at to make sure people are being protected and got all the risk warnings and stuff like that. Most people don't care. They just want, if it's cheaper, if it's faster, if it's more transparent, if they can trust it, they want it. They're not interested in the risks. Um, and, and actually, next week, we've just, I've just been working on it uh, this morning. We're, we're going to be talking about um, um, doxing, D-O-X-X-I-N-G. Um, oh, boy. And, and some of the, you know, because uh, a lot of these crypto projects are run by anonymous founders, shareholders, advisors. And on the face of it, you think, wow, this is this is not right. Why would I want to give my money to a group of individuals that I don't even know who's behind it? Um, but there are some reasons why they do want to remain anonymous. But 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 that that's another article. But it, but I think it's it's a whole new asset class that we're seeing developed on the crypto side but actually there's another wave of digitization of existing property commodities shares bonds which is coming down the stream um you know stable coins all they are is a digital wrapper on 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 the current cash that we typically would have had in our back pocket or in our wallet and and that's that's something which we're seeing more and more of in in different jurisdictions that's going to be an interesting one because i that is where I actually revert, because I'm old school, right? Uh, and I myself, with Cyber FM, I'm doxxed, right? People know where I live. They know yep. what my favorite means. They know how many cars I own, right? We yep. talk all the time. We do it. And in reality, I'm doxxed. And, and you'll cover that, I guess. But I am that guy that goes, even though I've broken my own rule, if I can't meet you, why would I give you my money? Yeah. I'm I'm still stuck there. You know, if the hot new ape coin comes out and the te- the dev is, you know, anonymous, you're not getting my money. But there's a lot of people that will. There's a lot of people that will. Yeah. But, but that, that's that's next week. It's coming out next week about doxing. Um wasn't something I was super familiar with, but it's interesting looking at. Um and oh, we'll have a good combo I, I, about just, that. Yeah, we'll we'll look at that one more. But yes, say um, so. Coming after the break, we've got Andrew Dells from ClearBank, um, and if you would like to have a copy of Digital Bytes, um, we email her every Wednesday um, in the morning UK time. So just as you're still slumbering and having sweet dreams, it's filling up your inbox, James, in um, good old USA. Um, if you'd like a copy, then obviously uh, all you have to do is contact myself, Johnny Fry, J O N N Y. Fry on LinkedIn um, or James Tiley at cyber.fm or he's on LinkedIn and we'll uh, send you a copy. And every week we just look at the different articles that uh, we cover and uh, happy to, um, you know, have you on the, on the show with us. Are we connected on LinkedIn? I've been recently cleaning up my LinkedIn. I've tweaked it. I've updated it a little bit. Are you and I on there together? I don't even know. Well, I will look after the show. I will go on there and You're make sure. You have to follow me, James Tiley, T Y L E. Yeah, I, th- I, find, I think I got an invitation the other day from you saying I thought we were. 
Yeah, um, maybe we are. But yeah. I did. I did go into LinkedIn and I said, I'm going to change. I'm going to update this, make it look all professional. And I wrote an article about disabilities and EVs. Posted oh, you, it. You, you love you love your blooming um, electric car, and you've become a real convert. I really have. It's it's shocking. I gotta go. I gotta go take my truck for a ride to to bring it back. <laughs> get that get that smell of gas in your nostrils again. Seventy four hundred cc's, as you Brits would say. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Okay, James, we better we better go because I know um, Andrew's there waiting to come on. Um, thanks for getting things organized this week and um, we'll be back after the break want to have fun the next time you're in a computer store set all the laptops to cyber.fm go ahead turn them up real loud and if the salesperson gets angry tell them we told you it was okay this is cyber.fm hey everybody it's johnny fry and i see i did it right this time and we are back with the, <laughs> my first repeater. This is, for me, this is a milestone. It's the return of ClearBank. And, uh, you know, of course, rock and roll had to be mentioned if you review the article, the newsletter that went out. So I'm all about that. I'm dying. I'm fighting a cold. I, I hate the world. So let's talk about, just say Sex Pistols. Just say it for me so I feel better. Oh, Johnny, bring James, them on. James, thank you very much indeed. And delighted, as you say, you got a returner. Delighted that um, Andrew Dells from um, ClearBank has uh, come back on the uh, on the show and written an article. Um, Can cryptocurrency go from underground punk to rock star, or st- sorry, sorry, to stadium rock? So I know James is far too young to be a punk rocker. Um, unlike James, I know you ha- you had illusions of being a punk rocker. I bet and. I bet you love the clash. I'm not. I'm not ready for Bitcoin to become Rob Thomas, right? I still <laughs> need Bitcoin to be like Zeppelin. Whoa. Absolutely, absolutely. But 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 Andrew, th- thank you, thank you for the article. Really interesting article. Um, bearing in mind you are meant to be a fuddy duddy old bank. You know, there's only five banks in the UK. All these other sort of pretend banks, challenger banks, are, are really payment platforms. So for a a bank to come out with a sort of a title talking about punks and stadium rock you know what, what what's going on well, hey guys thanks for thanks for having me back um well yeah i i would hope we couldn't be defined as a, as a fuddy daddy old bank we were we were launched in 2017 so relatively fresh compared to, to many of our peers but but yeah i really wanted to <clears throat> use the the article to to explore the the theme of of trust and and um how familiarity um can can help the the whole crypto space um engender a, a larger market share and uh yeah couldn't resist the, the old rock and roll analogy good stuff good stuff so so what what you would sort of to paraphrase the sort of beginning of the article what you were talking about was um you know the, the likes of sort of you know john lyden from the sex pistols and you know i can remember my mum so for goodness sake johnny turn that off that's that's dreadful television. You know, you can't be watching that because you know these these um, so-called rock stars were spitting at the audience and they were body surfing and doing all sorts of ridiculous stuff. Um, and yet, became now you sort of look back on them, they're sort of almost fond memories. And and you're drawing an analogy with sort of cryptocurrency to some extent, in the sense that when they first came out, um, people actually. A lot of the people that were involved in cryptocurrencies um, were, were, you could argue, were potentially a little bit unsavory and were using it as a way to get around 
sort of payment systems and banks and institutions. But now we're seeing those same banks and institutions and indeed governments embracing sort of digital currencies and digital assets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, something you guys are all too familiar with, with is the the increased convergence between fiat and crypto and, and trad buy and, and, and DeFi. And, you know, it, it still remains the case that to many blockchain technologies, cryptocurrencies, it's, it's new technology. The concept of a decentralized currency is a, is a new and, and relatively fresh concept to, to most of, of, of the public. They've all seen or read alarming headlines around crypto and, and, and perhaps some of the, the, the bad players in the space. And um, yeah, the, the, I guess the article is trying to, to pose the question, what can be done to engender more trust? Okay, because with more trust, there's what more confidence, and then more users. Is 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 that what you're trying to sort of get to? Yeah, I think it, it, talk about the, um, the 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 virtuous cycle of more trust, more uptake, um, more word gets around, um, the, the the market share gets gets bigger and bigger as people become more confident um, dabbling in, in digital assets. So it, it it's um yeah, I, I think the question is um how best to, to go about doing this and you know we, we started to see a, a governmental type frameworks emerging with, with biden's executive order on cryptocurrencies and here in the uk the the recent treasury paper um bringing stable coins into the, the regulatory space um and what can digital asset providers do um to to to, to keep up to, to speed with, with the with the emerging framework, but also um, partnering with their with their banks and financial institutions to to give consumers more trust to to um, to essentially grow market share and get more people involved. Okay, and and and, and it's, it's interesting because in, in your article you talk about sort of education can help, and um, as, as 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 you both know, and some of the regular listeners, um, I, I was actually down in Australia a couple of weeks ago and talking to a couple of big consulting companies and they came up with this comment about education but but we actually think that it's not necessarily education but it's re-education because we all come to the if you like to the crypto and the blockchain sort of market with our own preconceived ideas you know it's it's a little bit like marmite you either seem to love them or hate them but but the reality is is that actually a lot of people misunderstand um the technology and, and 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 indeed cryptocurrencies so it's it seems you've almost got to say okay well let's just park what you think you know about blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies and digital assets and now let's look at the reality of what they are now you know they're not these gas guzzling sort of blockchains that are consuming you know huge amounts of electricity which is burning lots and lots of fossil fuel um, a lot of the a lot of the power behind blockchains for example comes from renewable energy um, and a lot of the cryptocurrencies are actually, and certainly the digital assets, and we're seeing this, you've already mentioned with stable coins, they're actually being more regulated and they're really juxtaposed to these things whereby you've got sort of, you know, hooded figures sort of, you know, doing shady deals and trying to, um, because most of those people realise that digital currencies leave a digital footprint. But, but how do you think we build this trust that you, you, you refer to, you know, from a, from, a, from a banker's point of view? Um, you know, Clear Bank, you know, very successful um, bank, as you say, set up in what 2017. And most of your clients are, re- well, I think all your clients are regulated financial institutions, which 
therefore you've got to you've got to make sure that you've got a very strong trust framework around your day-to-day business in any case yeah that, that's right and so so clearbank we we provide um banking and, and payment services to, to regulated institutions so um anything from from banks through to, to fintechs and, and payment payment platforms um and that includes uh, regulated players within the within the crypto uh, and digital asset space. And, and and so, I guess one of the the the, um, the truths about the digital economy is that enable for for monetary value to to enter the ecosystem. Um, banks and and payment service providers are are that gateway. Um, and I guess there is a, a need for or consumers um, will look at the providers who are, who are enabling their, their fiat funds to, to enter the, the, the digital ecosystem um, and, and make choices as to who they who they who they trust and, and who they use and what what steps can those digital asset providers um, undertake? To, to, to engender increased confidence. Now, now regulation is 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 one of those, um, and regulation is there to to protect consumers. Um, but also, I think to, to your point, Johnny, I think education is 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 really important to to address some of the misconceptions around digital assets. Um, educate consumers as to what different digital assets actually are. What's their use case? push the message that blockchain technology actually enables immutability, transparency and, and, and traceability, all, all themes that are that are key from a financial crime and an anti-money laundering perspective, which actually is is quite contrary to um to a lot of the the, the headlines that, that we absolutely that we read about about crypto. Yeah. And, but 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 it's rather weird when you look at certainly from a UK perspective. Uh, well, well actually from a from many different jurisdictions, you're, you're seeing on the whole, banks are uh, in the public arena, at least quite anti um, providing banking services or um, providing that bridge between fiat um, and and crypto. Yet the payment platforms, m- many of whom are, you know, actually, you know, some of those are your clients. They seem to be quite keen um, to actually um well, they've actually invested quite a lot of time and money so that their systems and platforms are digitally enabled. And, you know, I'm not talking about Mickey Mouse outfits here. I'm, I'm talking about the likes of MasterCard, Visa, um, Circle, PayPal. So they seem to be bending over backwards to embrace this um, method of payment. Yet a lot of the banks, and we'll exclude, you know, current company, iClearBank, but a lot of the banks globally have been very reticent, it seems, to, to get engaged. Yeah, and, and I think um, part of that is is a, it's a slightly protectionist mentality. Part of it is a maybe a um, a, a resistance to 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 change and the the you know an emerging and potentially competitive um, payment infrastructure. But I think I think that that's that that's changing more and more as we see more institutional um, customers. Um, see see the benefits of, of of blockchain technology and 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 invest within the digital asset ecosystem. I think where ClearBank um, is different from from our competitors is that we we have demonstrated over the last five years that we are the the de facto um, payment service or, or banking partner um, 
to digital asset providers um, within the UK space, um, providing our you know, using our, our API technology and and fiat um, payment solutions to to enable the real time movement of funds into the the digital asset ecosystem. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think what we what we have and what we offer our clients is a is um, is a, a platform which which enables our, our customers to um, go further than just offering e-wallets, but also offering their end customers the, the full protection that comes with FSCS accounts and the, the associated um, insurance and protection that that, that, um, that that gives the end consumer. So, um, yeah, I think that there definitely has been resistance amongst, um, amongst banks to... to to, to dabble but but i think that that is the, the, the tide is is turning and, and i suppose to be fair to the banks they're they, you know they you know they, they've been clobbered enough by the regulators for sort of you know, breaches of money laundering and you know for kyc and, and and bits and pieces and and the regulate regulatory landscape hasn't been certainly hasn't been black and white it hasn't been very clear so i suppose they've taken that more cautious approach around this subject but Presumably, you're seeing interest from your clients in this in this sector, um, as you know, as potential being able to provide services for for them um, in in that sort of digital space as well. Then, yeah, yeah, and um, I think the as as I as I said before, you know, in, for, for monetary value to, to enter the ecosystem you need a, a, a bank to, to to provide those 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 payment rails and um we're we're really seeing um we're seeing a lot of interest from from digital asset providers as to how do they differentiate themselves from their competition how do they um increase stickiness of, of funds within their their within their respective ecosystems and how do they best position themselves to offer a wider range of, of products and, and services to their customers across both the digital and, and fiat ecosystems? And, and Clearbank provides the, the payment rails that, that, that really un, underpin um, a lot of that activity for, as I say, the, the, the best and the regulated crypto players within the UK. Okay. And, and, and presumably, as we see more companies um, using blockchain technology and issuing digital debt instruments, equity, um, even, even mutual funds, then the, the need and desire to, to then to be able to make income payments on, on those types of traditional products is, is going to grow and grow. And therefore, people are going to say, well, look, there's no point going back through the old traditional banking rails. We want to be able to make payments in a digital format, um, you know, rather than paying coupons every six months on a, on a bond or dividends being paid every, you know, every six months. Um, well, why can't we pay them monthly? And, and I suppose at that stage, you, you need a different suite of products and the current just, you know, we're going to pay you cash and we're going to pay six months and you should be grateful for it. Yeah, and, and I think that it, it's very interesting. The, the HMT's, um, the Majesty's Treasury um, in, in the UK, um, looking to, to put more of a regulatory framework around, around stable coins because... Um, Certainly, we have, have have seen amongst our our client base that there there really is um, there's demand here within the UK space for a, a sterling 
stablecoin to, to to cater for the the UK retail and, and institutional uh, markets to to reduce that 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 um, that friction and and the cost associated with, with moving funds between the the fiat and, and digital um, ecosystems and um, and as we, we talked about last time we we, we spoke Johnny at Clearbank we're we're exploring what we might be able to do within that space um, and um, you know I, I think there there is a desire for um, for there to for, for, to enable customers to, to move away from um, a USD denominated um, stablecoin um, across across regions globally, and certainly what we're seeing here in the UK um, for, the, for the sterling customer base we have here. Andrew, I think you'd make a brilliant lawyer. You're having to pick your words very carefully, I know, because <laughs> I'd love to push you and say, "Come on." On when's it going to happen? But I won't put you on the spot. But um, I, I do know dealing with other banks. Um, in, in Europe. And, and James, I know that you've got contacts in the banking system in, in the US and there's a lot of discussions going on behind closed doors. And, and there's a lot, I would say the sentiment in the last six months has definitely shifted from being no to when. That seems to be, I think you did to sum it up. You, you've seen some experience there, haven't you, James, even in the States? When bank? When bank? <laughs> not when bank. When are they going to do it? Not Not do it. So, you know, we were, my company was 10 years old in 2018, almost 11 years old. And we had just gotten into this whole blockchain cryptocurrency world with, you know, rewarding the listeners for paying, you know, for listening. And, you know, we, we were already company, up and running. 10 James, years. when you say your company, you're talking about Cyber.fm, aren't you? Uh, well, DL Pro is the corporate entity. Oh, DL Pro, yeah. Distributed Ledger Performance Rights Organization which wasn't our name even at the time. We were, uh, uh, we were Lazy Media LLC at the time. But, you know, so the name is fitting today because that's, we became a distributed ledger performance rights organization. When we did that, we triggered our bank. I mean, they acted like we had kicked their dog because of crypto. And a decade into being uh, a customer with this bank meant nothing. And they, they were like, you're out. You have to find a new bank. And it took a little while to find a bank that was friendly for crypto, especially in 2018. Mm. We then established our new bank account, uh, you know, because you need banking in general. And then our crypto fee, what, what do you, back in 2018, I guess I don't want to say the name. So, you know, our on and off ramp for fiat in the crypto felt that we were using crypto too much. And then they increased their KYC on us. They started asking for things that were just utterly ridiculous. And, and I said, this is uncalled for, right? I'm not providing you with a seven years worth of tax returns and, and all this. The, the industry was so bad four years ago, not only for banking, but even the, the, the crypto companies that were trying to behave like banks were behaving like banks with all the negative and, you know, connotations as opposed to what it sounds like you're doing. You want to get away from USD, you got sterling 
you want to be localized for your target audience. You're actually trying to add value. Do you, do you think that, in your opinion, Andrew, do you think that uh, we're there? Like, can somebody open up a brand new company right now and based on crypto and say, I need a bank account, it's not going to be a problem? Um, th- well, I, I think, James, to, to, to address your, your, your point, yeah, we, I think we're, um, we're, we're reaching or we're getting towards that. We're getting towards that, that stage, I, I, would, I would hope. But I think just to, to, to put the, the heavy caveat around um, from, a, from a clear bank perspective, all the customers that we, we directly provide our, our services to would need to be regulated. So there needs to be that, that FCA registration and um, FCA approval in order for, for clear bank to, to provide our services. But I think we, we've got a, a, um, a pragmatic and a sensible um, approach to, to, to the whole space. And, and we see we see we see the the, the, the clear direction of, of travel and the 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 power of, of blockchain technology and what you know what what benefits we can can get from that societally um, as we increasingly see assets tokenized and um, we want to we want to be the the, the payment provider. Of choice to 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 the best and and the regulated players within that space because we, we we see the we see we see the direction this is going. So if you've gone from underground punk to stadium rock, does that mean next time I speak to you, Andrew, you're going to be a uh, part of a string quartet, a classic musician? Yeah, they, you know there there are there are many strings to this bow. We'll have to wait. And oh, see each other. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, let myself down there. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Well, look, Andrew, I, I appreciate this. It's a very, um, it's very much an evolving market. And certainly here in, in UK well, and across Europe, there, there's a number of initiatives I know which are going on. Um, we, we, we brought um, readers' attention to um, another company a couple of weeks ago called Finality, who have just been granted um, banking services by the Bank of England to set up a, a sterling back stable coin um, later this year. So, um, that, that one, if you like, the cat's out of the bag on that one. But there's a number of other initiatives I know, um, partly that we're working on, but partly that I'm aware of here in um, not just the UK, but in Europe. Um, and, and again, James, I know you're being uh, you, you've got your friends in the industry who have given you some reasonable insight to what's happening. So I think it's very much a sort of matter of wait and see. But James, um, you know, interesting. Have you got before we let Andrew go? Any any further thoughts that you've got? Apart from looking for a new, it sounds like you're looking for a new bank manager by the sound of things. Well, I was going to go to Mick Jagger because, you know, Mick Jagger has a, a <laughs> financing background at the London School of Economics. He does. And an arts degree from Dulwich, isn't it, in East, in East London? So he's all around. He's, he was the first musician in the, in the crypto, probably. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. Okay. All right. Well, look, um, thank, Andrew, thank you very much for coming on. And we will try and drag you back onto the radio waves um, in a few moments. So I'm going to update. But any of you would like to get a copy of um, Andrew's article, Can Cryptocurrency Go From Underground Punk to Stadium Rock? Um, then please either contact um, myself, Johnny Fry, or James Tiley. We're both on LinkedIn. Um, Andrew, what's the best way of getting hold of yourself at Clearbank? LinkedIn or just... Through yeah, Clearbank on their website? 
um through linkedin is 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 good and also yeah feel free to to go to our website for more information on on clearbank brilliant and it's andrew spelt the norway dells d-e-l-v-e-s that's the one yeah excellent okay all right james well that's another 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 show um for digital bytes uh thanks for getting things organized and if um anyone as i say would like to get a copy of digital bytes um then just contact either james or myself but otherwise we'll be back on the uh back on the radio waves again next week with another edition of digital bytes on cyber.fm